Hey everyone, this is Mark. Today we have part two of Marcos's interview with Dr. Joseph Holbrook. If you haven't heard part one, definitely check it out. It'll be in our podcast feed. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music. It's everywhere you want to be. Also, you can check it out at our website, exiledlector.com. We also are on Facebook and on Instagram, so be sure to check us out. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any concerns, questions, email us, info at exiledlector.com. As the torciadores, a.k.a. the cigar rollers, quietly rolled their cigars, and the despaliadoras, a.k.a. the strippers, stripped the stems from the tobacco leaves. They were entertained, informed, inspired, and enlightened by literature and the daily news. So began the tradition of El Lector, the reader. This is the El Lector podcast, stories and cigars from the exiled South. We hope you'll enjoy it. What's changed from the time you started um, the God Party? What's changing your thinking? What are some of the things? What's well, like the one thing? Pick one thing. Can I pick two? Sure. Uh, the biggest thing that changed is my wife died. Mm. And that changed everything. And, you know, I was just on life support for a few years after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you remember that. We talked, I think, during that time. Yeah. And so I just wasn't, I didn't have the uh, ability to keep trying innovative and creative ways of reaching out to people that wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. So that was one change. And uh, at some point along the way, I realized that I needed a spiritual community. Yeah. And then I needed to worship. And I wasn't doing that. I was worshiping privately in my early morning coffee hour. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't in corporate worship. And so I made it after talking to a few friends and doing some visiting and thinking, I just made a a decision to find a church and go to church. And uh, it was kind of hard for me. It was good for my narcissism because I had never, I had for 25 years, I had never attended a church that I hadn't started or led. And so uh, I eventually settled on a Lutheran church, partly because I teaching, teaching on a ritual, sacred ritual at, at FIU in my mm-hmm. religious studies class, I began to appreciate the value of ritual. Uh, and I also see that ritual, there's lots of different kinds of rituals. Mm-hmm. They all have value. But I realized that uh, I need, wanted a sense of mystery and ritual. Mm. And I wasn't particularly looking to start a group or to evangelize a generation or evangelize a target group. I just wanted to go somewhere and worship. So I started attending a Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. And I also liked the fact that they used hymn books and satin pews and had an organ. Right. Because I was not in the mood for trends or innovations or necessarily, yeah. you know, pastors in tight jeans who know the, all the answers. And so uh, no reflection on anyone. If anyone's listening to this that has tight jeans, I'm sure you look good in them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't my, uh, <laughs> that wasn't 
scratching where I itched at the moment. Sure, sure, yeah. No, no, no reference to anybody that that, that might be listening to this show at any time. I don't think any of those folks would listen to the show at any time anyway, so I'm not concerned about it. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's, I love what you said about mystery because I think that's one of the things that we all miss. Even, even uh, I, actually, what, talking about that, that, those decades of the 80s and 90s where I was entrenched in, in, uh, in Christian culture, that's the one thing that, that caused me to reject it, uh, reject the culture, was the idea that there was no mystery. We had all the answers. We knew it all. Very modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, we react against modern modernity, but we reproduce it. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's and a, we treat the book the Bible like it's a modern book, right? A modern textbook mm-hmm. or a modern history book, right? And that's to do that. That's a misuse of the scripture. Mm-hmm. And as uh, it's it seemed like a like just a, a huge control experiment all the time. It was like it was like how do we control this? How do we how do we contain this? And it was everything was, every everything every challenge everything was seen as a challenge first of all, uh, as opposed to an opportunity, and, and everything was every controversy that came up was an issue to control. And when in reality it was like, it was I, I I I was always asking myself a question I didn't know what it was until later. I say, like, what if what if we can't control this? What if we weren't meant to control this? What if we weren't meant to contain anything? What if what if there is a Trinity? What if this what if there is a God? <laughs> and, and he, he really knows is he's God. And he really is as big as, as as he says he is, and we're just not even close to understanding him. That reminds me of the parable of Jesus where the uh farmer plants a seed and he goes to bed and goes to sleep and it grows during the night and it's and jesus says how he does not know he just grows yeah he's not in control yeah that's a good point yeah yeah that's uh, i mean so i i think uh the mystery aspect of it is something that that i think we're we're, we're all missing and and i i think that it's not a a right-wing Christian thing. It's not a left-wing Christian thing. I think it's a human thing. We're afraid of mystery. I think as, 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 as humanity. Now, you know, I don't care if you're an atheist. Um, in fact, I think, I think someone who says they're an atheist is, is afraid of mystery at some point. Um, they may argue differently. Some of them may argue differently. Uh, they, they, I've spoken with enough atheists who, who say, well, I'm not afraid of anything. I don't believe them. Because I'm afraid of a lot of stuff. Agnostics, on the other hand, might be very comfortable with mystery. Yes. I had some students that I assigned to them the topic of agnosticism for a presentation, and they gave the great, the best presentation in ways that I had I had not thought of. <coughs> they said there's atheistic agnosticism and there's Christian agnosticism. Right. And they said an atheist agnostic might say, I don't believe in God, but... You seem like a cool guy. Mm-hmm. I'd love to chat with you. Uh, bring me your reasons. You know, sh- persuade me. I'm open to evidence. Mm. And the Christian agnostic says, "I believe in God. I believe in Christ, but you seem like a cool guy. Let's hang out. Uh, let's have a beer, smoke a cigar, mm-hmm. and bring your evidence. Maybe you can persuade me that I'm wrong. Yeah. Let's <clears throat> let's talk. And so that's kind of a humility that comes from. The mystery of knowing that none of us have all the answers, and being open to, to changing your mind, right? I mean, yeah. being being you know whoever you are, wherever you might be, to be able to look at something and say, 
I, I, or be sitting in a con- in, on with someone smoking a cigar and saying, "Oh man, I never thought of it that way." You know, and being and actually being open to hear as opposed to waiting to give the next to the rebuttal. You know, uh, not even listening to what the person's saying. I have a friend who's uh, who's. Oh, I, I'm gonna. I might have him on this, on a future. I'm I'm definitely gonna have him on one of the future episodes. And uh, what he has, he he's and he's on a. He's on a, on a, on a, how do I say this? He's on a national radio platform. And he, ha, he has said on that national radio platform, uh, on Christian radio, he has said, and he's told me in conversation, he's, it's like, uh, really, uh, in his opinion, a Christian is a hopeful agnostic. And I love that. It's yeah. not to say, and again, it's not to say, this is when you look at, at Christianity as faith. Because again, it's not, it's not all-knowing. It's not having all the answers. It's saying, man, I don't know a lot of stuff. There's, there's a lot about this that I don't know, but I believe it. <coughs> when people embrace religion to find certainty, it's a problem. <coughs> mm-hmm. Because if you want certainty, uh, that makes you a fundamentalist. Or, I mean, I'm, I'm oversimplifying here. Yeah. But a, a Muslim who wants absolute certainty that they're going to die and have the 72 virgins Mm-hmm. And uh, that the Ummah is the answer, or a Christian who has absolute certainty that the King James Bible is the only version that you can read legitimately, that's a way of controlling your environment and controlling the pace of change in the culture around you. But a real Christian uh, has to agree with St. Paul at the end of 1 Corinthians 13 that we know in part, we see in part, we see through a glass darkly. We don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And, and that should bring humility but you don't have certainty. Right. St. Thomas is a great example for us there. Yes. Jesus never rebuked him for his mm-hmm. doubts. In fact, yeah. he met him at the point of his doubt and, mm-hmm. and, and accommodated his questions. Here's uh, something interesting that when you, when you started getting all Jesus-y on me there in Bible you for a second. Oh, there. no, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm thinking about uh, uh, someone who might be listening who might say, well, you know, at that point, they're just, they, they, they hear something that sounds like, Christianese, and they turn off, and they're thinking through their paradigm. They're 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 thinking through their response to something they're not even listening to. And I would I would urge someone who's my, who might be doing that to to you know press back a couple se- you know a couple times on that fifteen second button <laughs> and, and hear what you just said because I think it's important. Uh, we're, we're again we're we're what what we're saying isn't about. You know, we, we hear this so much from, from people who are who uh, are antagonistic towards Christianity or, t- or or towards faith. It's like, well, you think you have all the answers. It's like, I, I, where are you getting that from? But I know where they're getting it from. They're getting it from Christian culture. Because Christian culture says, hey, we got this. You know, they say, the, a cr- Christian culture, I, I grew up hearing all the time from Christian culture, hey, you can't put God in a box. And I said, but that's what you're doing. You're putting God in a box. <laughs> it was, which was amazing to me. In a modernist me. box. Yes. Yeah. And, and what we're saying here is kind of, is like, no, there's, there's a lot of, we have to look at the mystery behind all of these things, even, even existence. You know, I mean, why, why are we here? Why, what's, what, what how, how did we get here? How do, how do, how do we think of, how is it that we're thinking about these things? How is it that, uh, when we're not looking for quick answers, whoever we might be in our in our ideology, wherever we, we might be, why is it that 
we have we have more questions and we're and we're in fear because i even as a christian i'm in fear a lot you know i sometimes i wonder i'm like man what you know i have i don't i wouldn't say that i wonder if uh my faith is real i, I believe it is but i but i there's facets of it that i question and i and i sit there and i go man i'm not sure about this you know and it's but it's a good place to be because then I can, that's what faith is, isn't it? It's, it's trust. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why people like C.S. Lewis so much is he made a lot of room for mystery. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. If you uh, read the Chronicles of Narnia, there are metaphors, but there's not bald assertion of creedal facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, simp- you're, so there's a room for mystery and creativity and yeah. interpretation. And if you read the Great Divorce... You know, what Great Divorce basically says is if you're in hell, you can get on a bus and go to heaven anytime you want. There's a get-out-of-jail-free card if you want it, but that most people who have condemned themselves to hell would not be comfortable in heaven, so they get back on the bus and return to hell. Right. If he had written that today, I, God help him, he would have been called a heretic, I'm sure. Do you watch The Walking Dead? I do watch The Walking Dead. I'm, I'm pretty hooked. But one of my, my, favorites, my favorite line this season... You know the character Jesus from the hilltop? Oh, yeah. With the long hair and the beard? (laughs) And uh, he takes Rick and the gang to the kingdom to introduce them to King Elijah. Yeah. And when they first arrive, the the subjects of the kingdom, the guards come out, and they see Jesus standing there. And my favorite line is where they say, oh, shit, Jesus, is that you? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say I love I love that phrase. I thought you were going to quote the Jesus character, but that's that's the one I was thinking of when they saw. Oh shit, Jesus is that you? That was that was pretty fantastic, and and what was funny is that was actually one of the favorite quotes of the Walking Dead series. But it's it's I wonder it's it's interesting how that is how that becomes like almost iconic for for well, Walking Dead. I think uh, I'm going to say millennials again, but I think uh, it may be broader than millennials. But there's a hunger for authenticity. Mm-hmm. And for reality, yeah, that says yeah. let's let's put the bullshit aside and let's just be real. And the idea is, if if Jesus showed up, uh, you know, the thought would be, oh shit, Jesus, is yeah, that you really, <laughs> yeah, you came to church today. And there's a there's an aspect of it when you you say authenticity. I think it's like it's like wow, we can somebody can say something like that, even if it's in in a in a popular television show, and 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 everybody kind of looks around and says, wow, we that can be said really and and a lot of people i'm sure cringed at it but i think by and large people were just like oh that's 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 funny that's funny wordplay you grew up presbyterian grew up presbyterian and i had the privilege of uh coming into a, a, a group of fundamentalist friends and i consider and by fundamentalist just for the the uninitiated fundamentalism was uh is a movement that's that still exists. This is the, the Bob Jones University crowd, uh, Pensacola Christian represent. You know, <laughs> I have friends who, who graduated from there, uh, very dear friends, and they they this this movement was very much about uh, con- containment of. Uh, uh, <coughs> they created a culture of their own that had to do with um, the fundamentals of scripture, and by by that they meant you know they were they were big. It basically translated in layman's terms into they were great rule keepers. You know they 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 you know if if 
they, they were the ones who, who, who used only King James version of the Bible. You know, they only sang hymns. They, they thought at the time Christian, uh, popular contemporary Christian music was becoming a thing. They shunned that, and they said, and, and in, in some of those colleges, they would say if, you're, if a student was caught listening to uh, name a group from that back then that maybe some people remember. Second like, chapter of Acts. De- maybe that's too far. Second back. chapter of Acts. Th- they would have considered that, and that's th- and that's pretty tame now. That, I would mm-hmm. consider some of that hy- hymnody material at this point. Very few, very little of it, but yeah, <laughs> so maybe one song or two. But I'm talking like Newsboys, DC Talk, things mm-hmm. like that. That was like you could not listen to that. And but I, I got to see that side of 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 christianity which i I, there there was a lot of ugliness to it there was some beauty in it but (coughs) it was it was one of one of the things that i i felt they that it lacked was empathy um they they created a, a a huge missionary movement they they went overseas and but but it seemed like wherever they landed you know if they if they went to to the amazon and converted a a tribe, the they 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 thought that they had reached these people for Christ if the people there started wearing Western clothing. They made them twice the sons of hell that they were. Yes. Who said that again? Jesus said that. Yes. Matthew. <laughs> oh shit, Jesus! Is oh, that you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Matthew twenty-three. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking Rudyard Kipling, but no, it was Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah Rudyard Kipling too. He had some good things to say. That shows you how well read I am in scripture. But no, anyway, some of these no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> some I of think these we're folks, onto something here revelatory. Yeah. Some of these folks are, are still my fr- are very dear friends, and they've actually moved on from that movement. Well, uh, I, I I admire that in you. That yeah, you, I I also try to keep my historic friendships, although sometimes it's difficult. Yeah, well, uh, to to speak well of these friends, and you know, they 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 also had the ability to change and to yeah. and to and to see, you know, wow. Uh, there's there's a bigger there's a bigger mystery going on here, you know that I, I can't really contain, and uh, that fundamentalism couldn't contain, and and one of the one of, you know when I, when I read that quote you cannot love a fellow creature fully till you love God I think that's very true, mm-hmm. I think I think that that a complete picture of love comes from being loved by God. I know that would be controversial to a lot of people uh, who might be listening, but that's what I believe as, as a Christian. And, but by, by loving other people, that means that I can sit with someone and meet them where they are and not look, not condescend to them, but meet them as an equal and, and, and as a friend and, and listen to them and understand where they're coming from. And by doing that, I'm, I'm loving that person. You know, and that's that's and I fail at that miserably most of the time. But but when in my in my in my better moments, when I can do that, it's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing when you can when you can look at somebody and say, hey, uh, you know, wow, I I, I don't feel superior to you at all. I, I feel, in fact, that um, I'm meeting another image bearer of God. And that's that's powerful stuff. That's a powerful moment when that happens. I'm thinking of a couple of examples where that's happened to me with uh, friends that I made on campus that were gay. Mm. And uh, the thing is, whatever your ideology is or your belief about anything, and t- you can pretty much have the luxury of believing whatever you want to believe until you put a face with it. Right. 
Oh, yeah. And then you put a face and a name of someone you care about, and it changes everything. Mm-hmm.